millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to Ye Old Program, episode 871 of I Doubt It Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dallimore, joined today by the lovely, talented, and scholarly birthday girl Brittany Page well and you are the birthday boy so we both had birthdays over the past week yeah yours the 21st mine yesterday yeah the 27th so happy belated birthday did you have a good birthday yes it was a birthday (laughs) did you enjoy me telling you happy birthday every 10 seconds it was a lot of reminding (laughs) me to have a happy birthday yeah well, you got, you got to. You have to. <laughs> um, we also have been talking about Sweepy a lot uh, because she had her surgery and her space surgery and her... Seemingly fully recovered. Yeah, she's completely recovered, doing very well. It seemed like that 15 minutes after we got her home, but... <laughs> yeah. We still can't bathe her, which at this point is becoming not great. <laughs> Untenable, some would say. But we are approaching the time period where we can bathe her, and that will be a relief. But because we've been talking about Sweepy, it reminded us of this tendency that we have because we've developed such a strong relationship with the audience over the course of doing this show since 2015, right? 2015? 2014. 2014. March 11th, 2014. And we've had listeners from the very first episode who have stayed with us the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... When we talk about things, we we don't often explain them because sometimes we forget that, hey, a new listener could be listening yeah, at yeah, any yeah. time yeah, yeah, and yeah. have no idea who the hell we are, have no idea what we're talking about in relation to our lives. And we got a reminder from a Patreon supporter, CT, who sent us a message after our last episode and said, newbie here, is Sweepy a cat or a dog? <laughs> Is there a picture someplace? I thought it was a cat, but after this episode, it sounds like a dog. Can we get a bio on Sweepy? Please, thank you. Yeah, well, it's... I, I, I hesitate to say unprofessionalism on our part, but it is, we should, you know, Sweepy our dog. Mm-hmm. There's always new listeners. Yes. And, you know, it would, it would help for somebody who's like, what the fuck are they talking about? Yes. Well, and Sweepy has an Instagram and a TikTok. So Here can, we go. You can follow Sweepy on Instagram and TikTok. At, at Bully Sweepy. Yes. S-W-E-E-P-E-A. Yes. Sweepy. 
And the reason for that name is because we had a, another bulldog named Popeye. And in the Popeye cartoons, Sweepy is Popeye's son. Now, Sweepy, our dog, is a girl. But we're, we're going... And unrelated to Popeye. Yes, we, we're going with it. And you could probably hear her in the background. Yes. Um, letting the world know she's here. Yes, she knows that we're talking about her. So... That is, I mean, a bio on her. We got her last year, and she's spunky and has an attitude, but she's very, she's a very well-adjusted dog. Popeye was a rescue, and we got him, I think, when he was seven. Seven, yeah. And he had obviously lived a, a difficult life and been mistreated, and so he was a little prickly. And he, he definitely loved us, but he didn't like certain things, and he ended up biting both of us in the course of us yeah, being never, with him. Only because we were fucking with him. Yeah, and it was also, our fault. It was our never fault. bit anybody visitor to the house, was never aggressive to anybody who visited the house. Yeah, I, again, if you would fuck with him, he would be yeah, aggressive. Yeah, right. There is a time where your best friend Brett was petting him aggressively, and Popeye was at the end of his rope, and he was getting ready to snap. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> it wasn't aggressive, it was just like in the same spot for a prolonged period of time. Yes. And he wouldn't stop. And no one likes that. Yeah. No one likes yeah. that. So, yeah. So, we we waited a while after we put Popeye down because he had cancer. And that happened in July 2021. And, and so July we, 6, 2021. And so, we waited a while uh, for the healing. And, and it was really, really hard for, for us. For our emotional healing. Yeah. He wasn't healed. Yeah. Some lady came to the house to... Oh, I can't. He he died. Yeah. Yes. And <laughs> sorry, Laura. And it, I almost did it again. If you're if you're new to the show, <laughs> if this is your first episode, we have a unique sense of humor on this show, and we deal with things in uh, a different way than in other people. Our way, in our balming solve salve. How do you? What is? It's like calk. And when you know when you know more about our lives, you will understand why it is we developed those senses of humor. Yeah, <laughs> but we won't get into that now. So thank you, CT, for that question. But we al- we also got feedback in talking about Sweepy surgery about other listeners who are going through or have been through similar things. Hey Jesse, hey Brittany. I was just listening to your episode when you were talking about Sweepy getting all her surgery, and it reminded me of when my mom got our kitten neutered, and the first thing he did when he got home was try to take the cone off, and he got it stuck in his mouth, and and then like once I helped him get it out of his mouth, we figured out we shouldn't put it back on him, so I called the vet, and the vet was like, no, he has to have it on, and we did actually have to get him medicine to keep him calm, and he'd still get the cone off because we tie it really loose, but... Yeah, we had to basically give our our cat, like, calming medicine so he would keep the cone on and stop licking. And it is kind of funny because we'd watch him, like, bobble his head around. He looked like a bobblehead walking around the house. But he actually, for his safety, did have to get medicine to keep him calm. But I hope Sweet Pete does okay. And, yeah, Sweet Pete's definitely the best part. Okay, bye. Yeah, we're lucky enough that she's a bulldog. So the, the 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 cone part of the cone's purpose was to keep her from messing with her her spay incision. Mm-hmm. But she can't get down there because she's just a roly poly mm-hmm. bulldog. 
Um, but the other part of it was for her nose, so right. she wouldn't like ram her nose into the couch to scratch because we got her her no- nose holes opened up because mm-hmm. she's a bulldog, mm-hmm. and uh, she didn't mess with her nose the entire time after we took her 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 cone off. So we we lucked out. Yeah, and I do think this is a good point though that the caller makes because if you do have an animal that is active. It may be worth asking the vet after a surgery, and Laura actually did give us this advice, some sort of... A listener from New York. Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> For those of you new listeners. Um, who works in this field. Yeah, right. I guess and, that's, that's poignant. Yeah, and that that if you do have an animal that you think is going to be more active or struggle to just lay around and heal in the cone, that you can like ask for a sedative to kind of help them move it along. So that's a good tip, and we are happy that she is doing well, and we hope that everyone else who has animals that are getting surgery are doing well, too, and managing the cone. So we have an email, and the caller was anonymous because they didn't leave their name. This email is anonymous because uh, of job security purposes. <laughs> yeah, they want to be remain anonymous, which is just a natural reminder to the audience that if you if you write in and either don't leave your name or choose to be anonymous, we will absolutely respect that. Uh, so you can you do have the option of you know leaving your name off your communication. People see the death threats that we get. Right, we don't it, want any part yeah, of that. I don't want. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> Jesse and Brittany, I just want to start this off with a light brag. I happily haven't missed an episode of your podcast since 2015, and I love every minute of it. Wow. Thank you very much for that. Holy shit. Anyway, I just want to express my frustration about the quick conversation you guys had about school lunches on your last episode. I'm an eighth grade teacher in Montgomery County, Maryland. When I first started, every student got free school lunch as a school policy, which I found to be amazing. They just recently implemented payment for lunches again, which I just don't understand. This district has plenty of money to spend on ridiculous things like bus trackers. These kids are forced to be in school or their parents will have a court date. But we, as one of the richest counties in the country, can't pay for these kids' lunches. It's even worse than that. If a student can't pay, they are given a PB&J sandwich and they're charged for it while recurring lunch debt. All this while their wealthier friend gets a nice hot lunch that their parents can afford to pay for. Also, they don't pay for their lunch bill. They don't get to graduate when they get to that point. Is this the policy we want to implement in this country? I just don't get it. This needs to be a larger conversation in this country. This country has made a decision to not take care of its veterans, children, or people, and it's disgusting. We have completely ceded to the top 1%. Thank you guys for being there for the last eight years. You've been with me since I was in high school. I look forward to eight more years. The show is the best part. (laughs) Does that make you feel old? Does that make you feel old? Um, they were in high school, and now they're an eighth grade teacher. <laughs> God damn. Well, it, it's something that is interesting because we've had we we have had listeners from the beginning, and this is something we see: is they go through entire career trajectories, they have families, they. I mean, we like see the lives yeah, change of sure. our listeners, and we hear about it and how those things influence their view on politics. So, uh, to the to the the substance of the email, it is. Well, I'm with you, uh, anonymous. I'm. I. It's especially. I mean, everywhere this applies, but especially in the Washington D.C. metropolitan area, 
There are some of the richest counties in the country right here, and Montgomery County, Maryland is one of those. Very wealthy, very affluent population. And for even them, because in the the, the, the archaic way that we fund school districts largely in this country is based on 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 property taxes. And so if you live in a wealthy area where people pay more for their property taxes, your schools are better funded, typically. That's how it works. And in that case, it is leaving the most vulnerable to fend for themselves inside of a system that is built for rich kids. It's extra egregious. Yeah. Yeah, I've recently done, I think, at least one video on free school lunches on YouTube, and then I've I've put out a few shorts, reels, TikToks. They're all basically the same thing, but they're called different things for each platform, right. and still have different time limits on each platform as well, which, right. which makes editing a lot of fun. <laughs> You're bringing your personal pet peeves to the show. Oh, okay, sorry. Um <laughs> But what ends up happening is there will be people commenting saying that they got free school lunch and so they support school lunch or they got free school lunch and they didn't like the taste of it. So it's not worth it. They picked themselves up by their bootstraps and didn't actually need the free school lunch to get to where they are now. Right, and, right. Uh, then people will criticize the quality of the lunch a lot of times, even though research shows that it is uh, kids who get their their lunch at school have more nutrients. They're eating more whole grains. They're eating more fruits. They're eating more vegetables yeah. than uh, kids who are not getting their their school their lunch at school. So people will leave comments like the quality of the food isn't what I find at my steakhouse that I like to go to, you right. know? Yeah, it's a school lunch. Okay? If it's not Nobu, it's trash. Yeah. <laughs> it's your it's gonna be it's gonna be different food. And I'm not saying that you, you can't improve it. I'm sure there's improvements that can be made. But the point is that if kids are gonna be there, they should be fed and they shouldn't be shamed. They shouldn't be meant to feel like other because they can't afford a lunch like everyone else. You shouldn't be handed a PB and J sandwich, which is a mark that you can't afford your lunch yeah, that everyone yeah. can see well also look <laughs> there's voluminous research that indicates that a child that is not hungry a full child can focus a a, a child that is not distracted by the fact that they're fucking hungry can do better in school it's pardon the pun elementary yeah fuck yeah, it's research on scarcity shows that when you are, uh, when anything is scarce, whether it, we're talking about food, money, time, if you are in the mindset where you are operating under scarcity, it's all you can think about. And it's dictating your decision making. Yeah. It is influencing everything. And so if you are hungry, that's what you're going to be thinking about. That's what you're going to be focusing on. And still, I'll get comments from people that are like, I'm more motivated when I'm hungry. Right. <laughs> You know, I'm a biological anomaly. Oh, we should all uh, write our policies based on what happened in Frank's life. Why are we <laughs> we're really missing this opportunity? All right. So thank you for that email, Anonymous, an important point. And hopefully this conversation was not shorter and a little bit longer this time. And if if you would like to call, if you'd like to email in, uh, it is 657-464-7609. And you can email a regular old-fashioned email or send a voice memo to idoubtit at dollamore.com. So we want to take this opportunity to thank our Patreon supporters. You may have 
checked your mailbox and found some stickers recently. If you became a Patreon supporter anytime within the past <laughs> recent days, yes, then you got a an envelope with some stickers in it. So that is something that you get when you become a Patreon supporter. You get stickers for your laptop or your car, wherever they end up. We would love to see pictures of where they end up, by the way. So please do that. You also get access to the ad-free show if you become a Patreon supporter, both in just listening to it on Patreon, but also access to the RSS feed link that you can then put into any of the podcatchers that you use to listen to the show and skip those ads. But we want to thank our Patreon supporters because we could not do what we do without you. So shout out to our new Patreon supporters, Jason C. Jason C. Carol S.Y. Carol S.Y. Christy M. Christy M. Sue W. Sue W. Bev S. Bev S. Peggy. Peggy. And then a special shout out to Matt GB is number one, Dave. Matt GB is number one, what? Dave. Dave. (laughs) For increasing the pledge. Beautiful. We love to see that. We are also, now that we are heading into the second half of the year, thinking about our end-of-year Patreon gift, which we do every year. This year, we are choosing something that can be mailed without a problem, since last time we had some problems with that. What a nightmare that was. I think I forgot one new Patreon supporter, actually. I just scrolled down. So, shout out to Robin C. Robin C. (laughs) You get your very own call out. I guess everybody got their own call out. Yeah, Robin C., thank you so much. Did not mean to forget you, Robin C. Could not not do the show without your support, Robin C. Without a doubt. Yes, so thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Patreon.com slash I Doubt It podcast if you're wondering where to go to sign up for Patreon. Since we are such professionals, we just talk about Patreon like everybody knows where to go. All right, moving on. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. still running for president. Still running for president. <laughs> he is touting his twenty percent in the Democratic primary polls. Very excited about that. He is not me. Yeah, I'm very excited about the fact that he is really just being outed 
as a as a grifting charlatan anti-vax crazy person yeah outed though i don't know to enough people because he just went on bill maher show which again is not surprising we've talked about bill maher being anti-vax anti-science for years he's anti-gmo he's anti-vax right and so of course he's going to have rfk jr on talking about vaccines that just fits within what bill maher does but RFK has also been tweeting. He like thanked Tucker Carlson the other day. Of, oh, yeah. of course, you love a Democratic presidential nominee who's like courting Tucker Carlson's approval. <laughs> yeah, it's. Cra- it, I mean, it really is. It's it's nutty that he is appealing to the worst of the worst, not just within the Republican Party. I mean, not just within the country, but within the Republican Party, and he's polling at that insane number yeah so we wanted to play just two more clips to give some context for rfk because we had some people email in and say that they are encountering people in their lives who are democrats who are supporting rfk and that they are confused by it and they don't know what to say about it so here's a clip of rfk jr talking about vaccinated children and describing them as damaged oh by 86 we had 11 vaccines and it had doubled By 2006, under his watch, it went to 54%. And I will tell you this, that every child is damaged. 54%, those are the kids who made insurance claims. What about the kids who lost IQ? One or two points. Who are depressed. Who are not functioning. Who can't. Who, have, who are socially awkward. All of these injuries that are invisible from the vaccines. And we know, you know, if you've ever compared an unvaccinated kid to a vaccinated kid, you see the bright eyes and the engagement and the social interactions and the curiosity and the, and the affection and, 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 and you compare them. A child even had one or two vaccines and they're completely different. And those injuries don't get measured. They're just a blight on on this. They poisoned an entire generation of American children. Poisoned. Those injuries. Damaged. Yeah. Also, what? A child is socially awkward? He's blaming that on vaccines? Look, I'm not going to do the voice, but these kids, they take vaccines and they're smaller than full-grown adults. Look at all these problems that come from vaccines. Also, note, not a source, zero sourcing, doesn't cite anything to back up what he's saying. He's just tossing out numbers. It is nuts. Well, and there was a great exchange that happened with, I don't I don't know, Dennis Kucinich is his campaign... Uh, <laughs> so great. His campaign manager. His campaign yeah. manager. And there was an exchange that he had recently with a reporter who was was talking to Dennis Kucinich and they don't like the term anti-vax. They don't like when you label R- They R- meaning RFK Jr.'s team. The the campaign Dennis Kucinich, yes. Dennis Kucinich, right, is the That's name. That's right, yeah. Former and, congressman, Democratic congressman from Ohio. Right. And so the reporter said, "Oh, okay, you object to the term anti-vax, then what are some of the vaccines that RFK supports?" And it was uh um no, uh uh, interview ended. Right. And, and of course, the answer wasn't, well, one of the vaccines he supports is the COVID vaccine. Because remember when he threw that party at his house with Cheryl Hines? Yeah. 
the one of the requirements was that every guest in attendance was vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And so he can make the rounds. He can sow doubt. He can encourage people to not get vaccinated, putting their children and themselves in danger. While protecting his own personal bubble. Yes. With people who are vaccinated. Yes, because vaccines have saved countless lives. Yeah. And inevitably there are going to be complications in some cases with with any kind of medication with any medical intervention right but that doesn't mean that they are so dangerous that they're damaging and they're poisoning and using these these yeah. terms that are really scary for people who don't understand i mean invariably there are a number of people who are going to die from the colon cancer surgery that i just underwent in in november mhm or in October, excuse me. And that's not a reason to not get the surgery because complications arise. It, but they wouldn't have you believe that. They want it, you know. It, it's these kind of people who would never, the the internal combustion engine would never, never have been developed because gasoline is as explosive. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's nuts. It, it is absolutely damaging nuttery that um, he's spreading, and it's shocking to me that he is pulling at the the level he is. Yeah, and I don't know if it's 20%. I think his team is saying 20%. I yeah. do know that there are some polls that are showing double digits, like 15. Or, yeah, well, it's know. higher than single digits, which is a problem. Yeah, it's scary. And so he's running for the Democratic nomination, and one thing that I have learned about RFK through all of this is that there are people who don't believe that HIV is the it causes AIDS yeah and he like tries to blame other things for vaccines even yeah, yeah. well and one of the things in this clip you're going to find is that he talks about it's the gay lifestyle and he he talks a lot about poppers Tony Fauci won a power struggle with Broder and he said this is an infectious disease we've proven it with Bob Gallo proved this is being caused by a virus there's a lot of people that said it's not a virus. The virus is a, a passenger virus. And these people are dying mainly because of poppers. 100% of the people who died in the first of, of the first thousand who had, who had AIDS were people who were addicted to poppers, which are known to cause Carposi sarcoma and rats. And uh, and, you know, they were people who were part of the uh, a gay lifestyle where they were burning the candle at both ends and they were taking a lot of injectable drugs and methadrine and uh, and there were poppers on sale everywhere at the gay bars on the day. I remember growing up in that area in era in the gay bars, they would be last called for poppers and last called for alcohol at 2 a.m. And all the gay bass houses sold poppers, and they and it would became a ubiquitous. And there were a number of people in the agency who said, "This is not a viral disease, but it's a disease that is environmental, and it's being caused to people who are, um, you know, who are who are getting autoimmunity from from doing these uh, from toxics." And but. For Tony Fauci, it was really important to call it a virus because that made it an infectious disease. And it became, and it allowed him to take control of it. This is not just absolute batshit crazy. This is dangerous. He's also, 
just impugning another person to impugn the integrity and the motives of Anthony Fauci, who was a pioneer in 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 getting funding for AIDS research and and being there to treat AIDS patients. It just this is fucking gross mm-hmm. on the part of RFK Jr. Yeah, I also I don't really understand like the motivation behind denying that HIV is the virus that causes like right. what, what is the motivation? Facts. What is the motivation behind skepticism and questioning that? I don't. I don't know. Conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just weaved. Also, so in the eighties, when it was absolutely a stigma to be gay, he was hanging out at gay bars to know at last call it was poppers and get your last drinks. He knows that because he was there. I, what it just <laughs> none of it makes any sense at all yeah and he goes out there uh, among wildly conservative crowds he's being funded by like maga secret money mm-hmm. and spreading these lies and conspiracies i think it's another type of uh kanye campaign which is meant to siphon off democrat votes because that's the only way that the republicans really have a chance to win because their policies are so unpopular nationally is to try to siphon off the vote with a famous name in in democratic politics there's no more famous name over the course of the last century than kennedy right so we would love to know what you think about this are you hearing from people that are supporting rfk are you supporting rfk we would love to know 657-464-7609 or you can send an email to i doubt it at dollamore.com in Trump news, Donald Trump, baby. Remember, over the course of the last few weeks, we learned that there was an audio recording of Donald Trump speaking to a an author of of Mark Meadows' autobiography. You Cannot know, wait to read it. The auto, a, 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 an autobiography is a book written by someone about themselves. And Mark Meadows is having a ghostwriter write his. I know this is probably very common, but it just it's comical to me. Let's just call it a biography. <laughs> so we heard about the the recording, and then the media got a hold of the transcripts from the recording. And MAGA world, oh, this is lies. This is just fake news. And then in the indictment, the contents of those transcripts were lined out in the forty nine page, thirty seven count federal indictment. And now CNN has gotten access to the actual audio recording of that moment where Donald Trump is sharing, by his own account, confidential and secret information to people with no access, no authorization to view it. These are bad, sick people. That, but, was, that was your coup, you know, against you. That's, well, it started right at the like beginning. Like when Millie's talking about, oh, you were going to try to do a coup. No, they, they were right. trying to do that before you even were sworn in. That's right. No, trying no, to overthrow yeah. your election. Well, with Millie, uh, let me see that. I'll, I'll show you an example. He said that I wanted to attack Iran. Isn't it amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. Look. This was him. They presented me this. This is off the record, but they presented me this. This was him. This was the Defense Department and him. Wow. We looked at some. This was him. This wasn't done by me. This was him. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. It's pages long. Look. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let's see. Uh, 
Yeah. I just found, isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. Mm -hmm. Except it is like highly confidential yeah. secret. <laughs> this is secret information. <laughs> look, look at this. You attack. And Hillary would print that out all the time, you know. <laughs> send it, no, she'd send it to yeah. Anthony Weiner. Yeah. The pervert. Um, by the way, isn't that incredible? Though? Yeah. I was just saying, because we were talking about it. <laughs> and he, you know, he said, he wanted to attack Iran and what? He said the papers. This was done by the military, given to me. Uh, I think we can probably, right? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to figure out a, a, yeah. See, as president, I could have declassified. Yeah. Now I can't, you know, but this is yeah, crazy. Now we have a problem. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's so yeah. cool. I mean, it's so, I'm look, we hear I have and you probably almost didn't believe me, but now you believe me. No, it's, I believe It's incredible, it. right? No. Hey, bring some, uh, bring some cokes in, please. I love the end. Hey, uh. Bring some Cokes in, please. Uh, we got to get some Diet Cokes all around. Yeah, so now he's he's saying, declassify. See, as, as president, I could have declassified it. Now I can't, you know, but this is classified. So he says that specifically. Yeah, I mean, it's, they presented me this. This. He's referring to a document in his hand. This is... Is off the record, by the way. I just want to let you know that. I know we're recording this, I guess, but uh, it's off the record. All sorts of stuff. Pages long, he says. Look! Except it's like highly confidential. Secret. This, again, referring to the document. This is secret information. Look. Look at this. These are the papers, he says. And then, like you just quoted... You see, as president, I could have declassified it, but but I can't. Now I can't. You know. But this is still secret. Which, again, is the point, because a lot of times when people are defending Donald Trump, they'll say, well, he can do whatever he wants as president. Right. He could have just, with a magical wand, just by thinking about it. All he had to do was think that he it was declassified, and bam, it's declassified. There he is admitting that that's not how it works, because he knows that, everyone yeah. knows that, except for the people who are defending him. Yeah, he's not only admitting that, that he doesn't have the ability to declassify, he's also admitting that the thing he has in his hand was not declassified, is still confidential or secret. We, You know, he said both. Both of those are different classifications uh, under, you know, intelligence security. So this right here is very, very damning. It's, I mean, this is probably a nail in the coffin. Uh, among other interviews that he's done where he's admitting to retaining willful retention of these materials too. Well, if you act, if you ask Fox News... They will say, well, we don't know what those papers were. I mean, he could have just been rustling anything. Or you know how Trump is. He's kind of a liar anyway. So <laughs> That's the defense. I think that was on Newsmax, yeah. But Kaylee McEnany was also uh, hosting one of the shows the night that CNN uh, delivered this this audio tape to the world and she somehow managed to turn it into like questions that she has about joe biden yeah all those questions will be answered in a court of law i do agree with ari we have to look at and respect classification it's important for national security it's important for the people who gather and collect that information and sometimes put their lives on the line doing so oftentimes i should say that being said i agree this case would not have been brought against any other candidate i have real questions about joe biden 
not just taking classified information, information when he had no declassification authority, but taking them during a time as senator, when he had no right to take them, when he viewed them in a skiff and somehow they exited with him. And President Trump is right to point to many of those double standards. And then we also have to think uh, how this will be litigated on a national stage in a national election. Um, and President Trump, one thing he can do here is he can say routinely on the campaign trail, we're talking about me, but we should be talking about you, the American people. We should be talking about the economy. We should be talking about inflation, the horrors of the Joe Biden presidency. But we're talking about me because the DOJ has taken action in a manner that they haven't taken it against other people similarly situated in the past. How convenient. Let's not talk about Donald Trump and his legal troubles. Let's talk about the American people. Is that the same standard they're applying to Joe Biden? Let's just talk about the issues. We don't want to talk about Hunter Biden. We don't want to talk about uh, Joe Biden, his classified uh, mishandling of classified information. Come on. Just, it's hilarious. Well, and when the transcript was released of this audio tape, that is when Trump was giving an interview to Brett Baer on Fox News. Yeah. And Brett Baer, of course, is one of their straight news people, but he also has hung out at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, well, I want to indicate that you made, you rocked your shoulders side to side as in like a full body air quotes when you said straight (laughs) news person. (laughs) Because he is not. Yeah, and I mean, he, he got praise for how he handled the interview with Donald Trump during all this, but again, take it with a grain of salt because he goes to Mar-a-Lago and hangs out. So we want to play this clip and just revisit the conversation he had with Brett Baer specifically about this transcript of this conversation in 2021 because now you've heard the tape and you've heard the audio yourself, but now listen to how Donald Trump characterizes that conversation you just heard when he's talking to Brett Baer. I don't want to dwell on it, but... And by the way... This is before the tape was released. So he thought he had all kinds of time to just have the lie floated out there. (laughs) But he didn't know just within days the actual audio we would have. I don't want to dwell on it, but according to the indictment, you were here at Bedminster on July 21st, 2021, after you're no longer president, and you were recorded saying that you had a document detailing a plan of attack on another country that was prepared by the U.S. military for you when you were president. The Iran attack plan. You remember that? Ready? You were recorded. It wasn't a document. Okay. I had lots of paper. I had copies of newspaper articles. I had copies of magazines. I know. This is specifically a quote. You're quoted on the recording saying the document was secret, adding that you could have declassified it while you were president, but, quote, now I can't. You know this is still secret, highly confidential. And the indictment cites the recording and the testimony from people in the room saying you showed it to people there that day. So you say on this on tape. It says just the opposite. That you can't declassify. So why have it? What I said, what I said that I couldn't declassify it now, that's because I wasn't president. I I never made any bones about that. When I'm not president, I can't declassify it. That's what you said. You didn't declassify it. I said, no, no. I said I couldn't declassify it. But that wasn't a document, Brett. There was no document. That was a massive amount of papers and everything else talking about Iran and other things. And it may have been held up or may not, but that was not a document. I didn't have a document per se. There was nothing to declassify. These were newspaper stories, magazine stories, and articles. I'm just saying what the indictment says. Well, they, the recording people, and the look, people in the room who these testified. These people are very dishonest people. They're thugs. They're thugs. If you look at what they've done, 
to other people, what they've done to, and overturned in the U.S. Supreme Court. These are thugs. These the suggestion was people. that you wanted this as evidence that the military, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Milley, had preemptively sent you plans for a possible attack on Iran and that you didn't order that to happen. That's the suggestion. I never ordered it to happen, no. But no. that's why you wanted the document. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a document from Milley. Milley, frankly, was incompetent. The last one I'd want to attack with as my leader would be Milley. That I can tell you. All right, but last I think thing you know on this. It is. I mean, it's it's one of a series of different moments that we've we've witnessed from Donald Trump, where he's just caught red-handed in a lie, and that's that's what this is. Mm-hmm. No, no, those were newspaper clippings and other things. Mm-hmm. I had no document per se. He hedges here and there, but ultimately saying he had it was newspaper and magazines clippings that he was referring to, except for it doesn't jibe with what we just heard on the recording where he says. These are the papers, except it is like highly confidential secret. This is secret information. <laughs> look, look at this. If he's talking about a Time Magazine article or whatever, he's not going to say, look at this, this secret information. Right. Yeah. So it's frustrating because when we're listening to the audio tape, when we're listening to his interview with Brett Bear. We know that it is part of a larger pattern of who and what Donald Trump has been his entire life. Yeah. And the Republican primary voters are not seeing that. In fact, since the federal indictment, his support has only increased among uh, Republican primary voters. According to an NBC News poll that was conducted between June 16th and 20th. Now, that is beginning a week after the federal grand jury indicted Donald Trump on criminal charges. His support went up. So in this poll, he has 51% support of Republican primary voters. The last time the poll was conducted in April, he had 46%. Yeah, I think... I think that it is it is likely for those numbers to to dip. One, Fox is starting to talk about this. Now, I think that it is human nature. It's not unique among Republicans. But when people are hearing things they don't want to hear, they'll change the channel and find another channel that's going to be aligning with their, their views. I think that's pretty common. And uh, it is more easy to do that as a Republican these days because you have Newsmax, you have... Uh, the real America's voice. You've got Steve Bannon's stupid show. You got all these shows on Rumble. So it is easier to find alternative sources, but still the juggernaut in the ratings absolutely is still Fox News. And they are beginning to pull back the curtain and talk about the actual lies that are being told by Donald Trump. Yeah. Before we move on from Donald Trump, I want to say that this new story came out today. One of Trump's former staffers is writing a book. And- uh, he was like a, a chief of staff at uh, Homeland Security. He's the guy who wrote the anonymous op-ed about being fighting from the inside. Really? Yeah, it's him. Huh. I guess I am not on top of things because I thought that that person's identity was still secret. No, no. Miles Taylor is the guy's name. All right. So I would not have won a trivia question about that. <laughs> so in in this book that Miles Taylor is writing, do you think he's a trustworthy person? Yeah, I don't think he has a ton of integrity. He still chose to work for Donald Trump. So mm-hmm. that for me that's you're kind of a deal breaker right there. But yeah, I I don't believe he would outright fabricate stories. He was certainly close to uh John Kelly. 
Yeah. So in his book, he is claiming that uh, Trump aides said that that Donald Trump talked about Ivanka Trump, his daughter, Ugh. her her breasts, her backside, and what it might be like to have sex with her. Remarks that once led his former chief of staff, John Kelly, to remind him that Ivanka was, in fact, his daughter. Yeah, it, it is. This, this, among other things, like, you know, the John McCain slight that he did early on. This, among other things, is the most, like, inexplicable thing to me about Donald Trump. That, you know, if, if Ivanka wasn't my daughter, I would be, and perhaps I'd be dating her. We all know what that means. It doesn't mean going down to the ice cream social and having a Sunday. He means fucking his daughter. When you're dating, you're fucking the person. He said that on The View, I on think. On The View, yeah, right. Years and then ago. also during an interview after he had Tiffany, he was there with Marla Maples. She was a baby, Tiffany. Yeah, a baby. And he goes, well, you know, I think it was Barbara Walters or somebody. He's like, who, who, is, who does Tiffany take after more? And he gestures to his chest like well maybe he's she's going to be more like her mom like big tits i mean he just he's sexualizing not only children but his own children and this is the party of uh get rid of the groomers y'all it's just it's maddening it's maddening it's really remarkable he's a creepy creepy uh, a creepy fuck he is so fucking creepy and they just overlook it. Yeah. Well, who among us hasn't wanted to fuck their daughter, y'all? Hurdy der. So uh. yeah. So you'll be uh Donald Trump, baby. <laughs> you'll be seeing that headline over the coming days, I'm sure. So it unfortunately it's not new news though. It's we've we've known for a while. So hopefully it'll make a difference this time. It won't. So <laughs> The the Southern Baptist Convention, the nation's largest Protestant denomination, has made a decision to bar women holding leadership roles in churches. I mean, this decision, I think, was, was already made. It's just that they're sending a clear message because they actually voted overwhelmingly to finalize the expulsion of two churches that actually had female pastors. On the question of Saddleback Church, 9,437 votes in favor. The vote to uphold the ban on churches with female pastors wasn't close. And Saddleback Church is not in friendly cooperation with the Southern Baptist Convention. Delegates upheld the February expulsions of the Saddleback Megachurch in Lake Forest, California. And the smaller Fern Creek Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky, all because they employed female pastors. Amen. There has never been a moment in the history of the Southern Baptist Convention that the Southern Baptist Convention was supportive of the idea that women could occupy the office of pastor, elder, and overseer. It's just that I think we've had hope that people who had come to a different conclusion from us would rethink that. This is a sad day for Southern Baptists. Let us pray. Someone who didn't rethink it, Pastor Linda Barnes Popham. She has served as the lead pastor at Fern Creek for 30 years. She'll keep serving, independent of the Southern Baptist Convention. What does this say to the millions of women in the churches? It says to those women, you are not valued, you cannot be called of God, and we don't want you. Southern Baptists need us more than we need them. I mean, they're losing a friend. We don't want you anymore. They're losing a family member. 
The Southern Baptist Convention's Statement of Faith, last amended in 2000, says the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by Scripture. In a separate vote Wednesday, SBC delegates went further. They voted in favor of an amendment broadly banning women from any pastoral titles. We should leave no room for our daughters and granddaughters in the generations ahead to have confusion on where the SBCC stands. History will prove us wrong again if we adopt this motion. The church has recently been embroiled in scandal, including a bombshell report last year, alleging its executives hushed up hundreds of allegations of sexual abuse. It all comes as the church is facing steep membership declines. Nearly 460,000 members lost last year, the largest drop in more than a century. Saddleback's retired pastor and founder Rick Warren says membership will continue to drop without significant change. 17 years of decline year after year after year is not a glitch. And the loss of a half a million members in a single year cannot be ignored. For those like Pastor Barnes Poplum, looking to the future is the only way forward, even outside of the SBC. We will continue to be a church. We will continue to move forward. And as the pianist texted me earlier today or yesterday, we are bound for greater things. And that's what we believe. For CBS Mornings, I'm Janet Shamlian in New Orleans. Who knew that uh, Rick Warren's Saddleback Church was Southern Back? I didn't know that. Oh really? Yeah, Rick Warren is the he wrote the Purpose Driven Life. Saddleback Church is probably the largest mega church in Orange County where we just lived. Mm-hmm. And uh, then now they're out. Mm-hmm. It, it is so. It's twenty twenty three. I you know I hate to be the guy to remind everybody the year what millennia we are in. <laughs> uh, but that women aren't qualified. That the creator of women deems them unworthy of of leadership positions to teach the gospel, like they, they are cognitively um, incapable of understanding the, the, the contents of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Just fucking weird. Well, and again, it's just a reminder that these churches can take swift action on things that they deem problematic when they want to. Right. Not sexual assault. Right. Not sexual abuse. Right. And they briefly mentioned that in the clip, uh, the report that came out last year showing that complaints about sexual abuse and sexual assault on the part of pastors were sent to people in higher up positions within the church. And then those accusations were kept quiet and the pastors were protected, similar to what we see in the Catholic Church, similar to what we see in the Mormon Church. Yeah. Pick a church. And this this report. It, it, it studied the cover-up going uh, from, I think, 2000 and on. But they also found accusations of abuse going back to the 1960s. Yeah. So this has been a problem for a long time. There were allegations of child sexual abuse, grooming of adolescents, and sexual assault of adults. You know who wasn't among that list of perpetrators? Mm. W- women. Mm. Yeah, no, no women on the list there. Well, and that's an important thing because it is the culture of these institutions, the reinforcing of the patriarchy, the protecting of these archaic ideas, that is what leads to rampant abuse and the inability to do anything about it. So this is sending yeah. a message. We can take swift action on women being pastors, but, oh, this abuse thing? I, I don't know. It's gonna. We're going to have to figure out what to do with that. Right, also... Hundreds of cases of sexual abuse, two churches with women. 
two. <laughs> it really is an align. It really elucidates. It shines a bright fucking light on what the priorities are. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. Talking about priorities, there is a cancer drug shortage in the United States. And if you don't live in the United States... Can I just give you kudos on the transition? Oh, thank you. Yes. Wonderful segue. Thank you. And if you don't live in the United States, you're probably thinking, Jesus Christ, what did you just say? Well, wait, because the clip is going to make it worse. Carrie Sherkinski is battling stage three ovarian cancer. And due to a drug shortage, her fight is even more painful. At her last chemotherapy treatment, the Florida clinic ran out of the drugs she needed. She says she was sent home. Why didn't anybody tell me this? The drug called carboplatin is widely used for treating breast, ovarian, and other cancers. It's highly effective with minimal side effects. This month, the American Cancer Society issuing a warning call. The shortage of certain cancer drugs has become a serious and life-threatening issue. This is the bin for uh, carboplatin usually. As you can see, it's completely empty. Oncologist Dr. Lucio Gordon says he's had zero supply of carboplatin for nearly two weeks. A recent survey found doctors in 40 states said they had no supply of key chemotherapy drugs. This can't wait another six weeks or six months to be resolved. Currently, 14 oncology drugs are on the FDA drug shortage list. We have a whole team that's working night and day um, with the industry. FDA Commissioner Robert Califf says drug shortages are getting worse because generic versions of the medicines have become so inexpensive to consumers, producing them is no longer profitable for manufacturers. So many have stopped. Califf says the vast majority are imported. Quality control issues have also played a part. In any market, things get out of kilter, and that's definitely happened here. Are you guys working urgently to find some type of short-term solution? In terms of the short term, this is a, uh, the highest priority. Califf says the priority is to bring more manufacturers into the market and into the U.S. The Association for Accessible Medicines, who represents drug makers, says they too are deeply concerned, but added policymakers must address shortages in a manner that is holistic and long-term, solving for all aspects related to shortages. As for Cherkinsky, she's worried her treatments are altered, now using a different but similar drug with more side effects. There isn't anything that works as effectively. It is the drug I need. A critical problem, a solution unknown. Katie Beck, NBC News, Tallahassee, Florida. So so did you hear the main problem here? FDA Commissioner Robert Califf says drug shortages are getting worse because generic versions of the medicines have become so inexpensive to consumers, producing them is no longer profitable for manufacturers. So many have stopped. Wow. Mm, No longer profitable to make cancer drugs, life-saving drugs. This right here is, is heads and shoulders should be talked about relative to the national we should nationalize certain industries just should be nationalized and run by the government so profit margin isn't such a motivating driver people are going to die because this company can't make enough money they're not as profitable it's not that they're going to go bankrupt if they make the the medicine it's that ah, we don't, we're not going to make as much money as we used to because now it's generic. Mm-hmm. And we don't hold the exclusive patent rights mm-hmm. to the medicine. It's yeah. disgusting. Yeah. 
Well, and we really need we need someone like Bernie Sanders with his energy and his attitude, frankly. And I was reminded of how much I love him and admire him in this exchange that he had with, I think it was probably a Fox News reporter or maybe a Newsmax reporter. I don't know. But she approached him in the hallway and talked about, is it free if you're raising taxes? Is it really free if you're raising taxes to pay for it? Well, given the fact that we have the billionaire class paying a lower tax rate than working families. I think it's appropriate that the wealthiest people in this country stop paying their fair share of taxes. Thanks very much. The Wall Street tax would hit average Americans saving for retirement. What people say that? People on Wall Street. Thank you. And I love this attitude. What people are saying that? And think of this. Think of this story we just talked about with the the cancer drug shortage. Any time you hear someone whining about, is it really free if you're raising taxes to pay right. for it? Listen, maybe maybe you don't need the cancer drugs. Okay, maybe you don't need them, but maybe you will in the future. Yeah. Or maybe someone you care about does. Yeah. Trust me that cancer happens. Whether you're in agreement or not, <laughs> whether you're a candidate for it or not, it's going to come, and you're not ready for it. Don't wait for the tragedy before you're radicalized. Yes. Let's skip over the tragedy part, and let's radicalize you now. That's the goal of this show. Yes, without a doubt. <laughs> All right. We'd love to know what you think. 657 657- Four six four seventy six zero nine. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. Jesse Waters. I think he was last time, too. Oh, was he? Well, I don't he know. also just got Tucker Carlson's 8 o'clock sl- time slot on yes. Fox News. He got the their their juggernaut ratings hour they gave to fucking Jesse Waters. And you called it, right? Yeah, I did, I did predict that that was going to be the case. <laughs> so I guess uh, <laughs> no better time than now to toot my own horn. I made a prediction that pretty much everybody knew was going to be the case. Yes. (laughs) Jesse Waters, just as hateful, will fit in, will do very well with that time slot. So, uh, good luck to him? I don't know. Uh, Well, I mean, if if the same fate befalls him that has befallen Bill O'Reilly or Tucker Carlson, you know, maybe that time slot is cursed for Fox News. So, who knows? So Jesse Waters decided to go after, you know, very current, uh, in control of the government people like Barack Obama. Uh, Barack Obama did an interview with Christiane Amanpour from CNN the other day, and they talked a little bit about, well, a, a number, it was a wide-ranging interview. And Obama talked about obscene inequality. And it wasn't just about obscene inequality relative to income inequality. It was also obscene inequality relative to the press and the media and what they cover. And in it, he just he, he talked about, as an example, all of the press, all of the coverage that was given to the, the, the submersible, the little submarine that imploded at the bottom of the sea going to see the Titanic, versus this capsizing of a, a vessel off the coast of Greece where 750 people roughly were on board and now dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people are dead or missing and we just don't even have a grasp yet on what the death toll is going to be. So 
he's just talking about obscene inequality. So when this clip starts, just imagine the Chiron being obscene inequality, quote unquote, and Jesse Waters slamming Obama for the most valid of reasons. Well, when you're the citizen of the world, you always think about the world instead of the United States. Remember, this is a guy whose father has roots in Africa. This is a guy who spent a lot of his childhood in Southeast Asia. Is that right? I think it's right. And then he with, ate a dog, Jesse. I didn't bring that up, <laughs> but I'm glad you did. And then spent a lot of time in Hawaii. Was that the last state to get a star in the flag? Not so sure about that, but... He's never really looking at things from an American perspective. He's always speaking to the world. Even when he's speaking to us, he's appealing to the world. So let me just tell you, this is... I love how it's a a negative thing that he's not always focused on America and that he's also concerned about other people who aren't in America. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) What He has uh, empathy outside of the borders of the United States. What a scoundrel. (laughs) Is he right, by the way? Because he's obviously trying to attribute some sort of like patriotism scale based on the order in which stars were yeah. given. So was he right about Hawaii? Being- oh, yeah, Hawaii was the last was the last state and clearly the least worthy of of Americanness. I guess. Because it was the the last. Yeah. I, I think it's funny uh that using his logic, Joe Biden's home state is the most American Ooh. and the most patriotic. Delaware was the first state in the Union. Oh. And if you live in like our home state of of, of Idaho, sorry 43rd most patriotic. Oh. You're, you're, you're really down the list. And what about California? Oh, uh, now you're really taxing me. Uh, <laughs> California, 31. Oh, okay. 31, 1850, September 9th. All right. So, Jesse Waters, look, um, he will continue to be asshole of today, episode after episode after episode into the future, because of the fact that he's now being given a gargantuan platform on Fox News's airways to be as hateful, as xenophobic, as racist as he can be. So any hope that we had that fo- I didn't have the hope, but any hope that people out there, people are saying, uh, any hope that they had that Fox News was going to moderate or modulate itself. It, it just, come on. This is who they're putting in there. This is who they're rewarding. A talentless fucking hack, too. Mm-hmm. Not good at what he does. He's just very adroit at delivering hateful sound bites. Yeah, he's soulless. He, yeah, he's he's doing exactly what he knows is going to make him successful there, and, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Regular old emails go to I doubt it at dollamore.com as well. We would invite you to to join the Patreon family, support the show. $2 a month is is where you can come in. It would be fantastic. Every little bit goes a long way. If we were able to marshal the size of our audience, we really could fundamentally change this this program. We are um, in in a push right now to get guests in studio they'll be on camera they'll be on YouTube it's we are we are growing we are um, morphing into the next generation the next iteration of this program and it's with your help through patreon that you can do that again patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast we're gonna leave you there we love you guys we appreciate you so much and for Brittany page I'm Jesse Dollimore this has been I doubt it 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.